Welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. My name is Trevor Bohm and I will be your host. Every week or so, I try to get myself a fascinating human on the mic for you, someone who looks at the civilized world just like you do and says no thank you. Someone who wants to break some rules, to lead, and to bring their unique vision into the world. Someone for whom the status quo simply will not do. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I do. Please dive in. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. This is Trevor Boehm, your host. Today I'm going to share with you a recording I did a couple months back while I was in New York with a good buddy of mine, Marlon Atchison. Now Marlon is a unique combination of humans. That's why I like him and that's why I wanted to have him on. So first and foremost, Marlon is a professional chef, but he's a professional chef who's as interested, if not more interested, in health and how food leads to health than he is just creating a bunch of fancy shit that's unhealthy. Marlon is also a vegan, so I was really curious to get his take on food from that perspective, even though he cooks meat. Marlon's also a black man in America. And so when you take these three and put them together, you have a really interesting conversation about health, about race, and about food. So please dive in and enjoy Marlon Atchison. Marlon Atchison, thank you so much for joining the Uncivilized Podcast. Thanks for having me. So I wanted to have, I've wanted to have you on for a while now. And as I said uh, pre-recording, you're, the, you're this unique intersection of a lot of out-of-the-box ideas, let's say. Like you are a private chef, correct? Correct. Just so just that, right? Like I bet you have stories that would blow people's minds of how you got into it, some of the, uh, the weirdness you get to see. You're living in people's houses from time to time. Definitely. There's uh, for sure uh, a lot of stories, without a doubt, in and out of, you know, every household or yeah. and everything, you know, so... Yeah, so we'll, we'll hop into that in a minute. And two, you're a vegan. Correct. How long have you been a vegan? I've been a vegan now for about 20, 25 years. Wow. Yeah. So you were a vegan before it was like Instagram popular. Before it was all that. <laughs> I, was, I was literally a vegan when there was probably like two health food stores in New York City. <laughs> I, I, my first job out of college, health food store. Yeah. And it was like the freaks would come in. Right. People with like the <laughs> autoimmune issues that no one knew about. For sure. People like me who needed like gluten free and they're like, oh, why don't you just eat bread? Yeah. Because like, yeah. it has gluten. Yeah, like, yeah. No, it's just bread. <laughs> like, no, dumbass. It's got more into it. Right. Yeah. So that's a whole nother uh, intersection. And for people who, people who can't see you, you're also a black male, that which I, I think vegan. Right. Uh, and again, I may be stereotyping. I think hippie chick. Angry, uh, <laughs> white, Birkenstocks, Vermont, and yeah, a little bit of vitriol in her. Right. Well, so you you have this wild, like you're just, you're out of the box. Yeah, just, you know, this is just me in my natural organic form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so, sure you didn't sit down and be like, I know what I'll do. Yeah. I'm going to shake some shit up. <laughs> I'm going to get rid of, get rid of meat. So talk to me about your, talk to me about food. What do you love about food? And what do you think people listening to this? Cause this is my only platform that's primarily male dominant. Right. 
what got you into eating healthy? What got you into to eating vegan? And how would you recommend that the guy who's like, okay, I don't know a fucking thing about food. I don't know a fucking thing about veganism, but I want to get a little bit healthier. Right. Where do I begin? Right. I know that's a series of questions. So let's just start with you. How did you get into all of this? So I think I was probably about 16 years old. I was living in Maryland at the time, um, you know, kind of like uh, Dairyland, Gaithersburg. And, um, you know, I uh, lived uh, from in high school, basically. We would, all, everyone would leave school and go across the street and go to like Wendy's and McDonald's and go get pizzas and stuff like that for lunch. And, you know, I was always kind of like a conscious, forward-thinking kid, uh, you know. And I just decided that I didn't want to eat meat anymore. And um, I would go into like Wendy's and get like a single with cheese hold the single, <laughs> go, go to the salad bar, dump more salad on it, put some French fries on it mm -hmm. and, you know, start like inventing my own lunch, figuring yeah. it out, how to, how to go about it. You know, now were there vegans in your family? Like how do I'm trying to think 25 years ago is nine, 1995. Yeah. So there's not a lot of internet. This isn't really popular. Yeah. How did that seed get planted in you? No vegan in my family. Okay. I grew up in Jamaica. I grew up with my parents eating. I think this was probably part of it. Eating, um, you know, all kinds of crazy like tripe and liver and what have you. Mm -hmm. And as a kid, you know, you're, I was at least a bit turned off, but I'm like, it's slimy. It's gross looking. Yeah. There's no way I'm, I'm going to eat any of that. So I kind of was like, really more into fish as okay. a kid. I would just eat fish. I wouldn't really eat a lot of meat. And then I, I don't remember what it was, but I had won a couple goats as a kid in Jamaica, like some kind of raffle or whatever, you know? Good you want a live, you I want a live goat. Two goats. Okay, okay, so, this is where I, this is where I, this is where I told you. This is why I want to have you in here. <laughs> so I took them to my, my, good thing my grandmother had a farm, so we took them there. And, you know, we were we, all my, you know, my, my grandmother had a lot of kids, uh, 23 to be exact, um, honestly, my mom being the youngest of 23 kids. Your grandmother had 23 children. Right. Herself. Herself. Yeah. <laughs> over, over what time span? I mean, I feel like her entire life, 23. It's like, wow. you know, it's pretty wild. How, how young was she when she had the first? Mm, I would assume probably like mid-teens okay you know okay I mean, wow it's like you're living in the country right on a farm in jamaica you're basically raising farm hands you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> we need a workforce get upstairs yeah. yeah so um so i'd spend my summers there with all my cousins hanging out and i would see you know i'd see the goats and stuff and i just remember one time we came back and they weren't there and they basically told me that they had killed them for food mm. and i was like wow and i think that was kind of like my first bit of early trauma with the whole thing okay and then like in my teens it kind of came back to me i was like yeah you know it's like you know a hippie i was that hippie teenager like yeah. you know tripping on acid smoking weed and like hanging out with the older kids and and this was in jamaica and this was in maryland oh in maryland you know? okay and 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 you know my my older kids meaning like you know my friends my age like their brothers and stuff like that yeah and them being like you know conscious kids and stuff like that you know i remember a good buddy of mine uh kevin he was a vegan 
you know, he was a vegetarian, I should say. Okay. And, you know, so it kind of like sparked something and, you know, I kind of, because there's no, again, no health food stores and stuff like that there, I realized that I had to figure it out. So that, you know, that kind of, I started gravitating towards like, you know, cooking and figuring out how to take care of myself. Yeah. Food. Was, were you cooking as, as a background, like in your family? Was that something that you were involved in as a kid? So, I mean, it's funny. Uh, my earliest, I remember cooking anything. I was probably about six or seven years old. I remember I had a bunch of friends over at the house in Jamaica. Yeah. I took my mom's frying pan, some matches, some oil, and a couple plantains and went out into the woods with my friends and my sister and like made a little fire and I was cooking up plantains. And oh, all, I love it. Know? So that was my first, my first bit. And then when we moved here, you know, my parents are immigrants working like, you know, two full-time jobs, yeah. never really home. They're like, here's some cash on the counter, run across the street, get groceries and figure out dinner for me and my I have a, two sisters, one 10 years younger and one like a year and a half younger. And we would like figure out dinner. So yeah. um, I would cook a little bit then, but was never really thinking that I was going to be getting into it. But, um, you know, that was more just like, oh, we need some food. And our parents are at home. Type. <laughs> <Yes>. so, <laughs> someone's got to do this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, I think I was probably like, um, you know, after I graduated high school my late teens, I'd moved to College Park, Maryland. And I had this, uh, this, uh, this Rasta uh, drummer in a band, this like white hippie dude, yeah. uh, free. And he used to cook and he used to cook at this, this uh, like uh, health food store down in College Park called Beautiful Day. So they were, and it was all vegan food. So I was like, wow. And one day I was in there and I saw a brochure for, um, uh, cooking school, natural yeah. gourmet in New York. And that kind of brought now shifted everything a little bit to like, wow, what's in New York. And then I also had a girlfriend at the time that was going to NYU. Um, so I was like, Oh, maybe I should just move up there and try to go to school. Yeah. You know? So I moved up, you know, with uh, probably like $50, no money to afford going to the school. So I was like, okay, what am I going to do? So I got a job in the health food store and just started learning the, the products, yeah. you know? And um, one day I was in the health food store. I was like a stock person. I was downstairs and I came across a couple hot plates and, pan and pots. And I was like, went over to the manager and I was like, hey, how about I start doing staff lunch? Yeah. And she was like, oh, great idea. Okay. Yeah. So I just started cooking in the basement at work and like for the staff. And then like, you know, I'd get a bunch of free shit from all the, like the, you know, the cashiers and go home and like cook and invite everyone over for dinner. And now just like, you know, I was just practicing every night. So yeah. I'm at the end of it, like, you know, long story, but like I am self-taught. You know, yeah. I never made it to that. School. You didn't. I never. Made You've it never to been that to cooking school. school. I've never been to cooking school. I've eaten this man's food. It is world class. Oh, that's very that's true. that's wild. Yeah. So it was just your relationship with the food that you think kind of blossomed and came out over right. that time period. I think you know, with anything that anyone becomes passionate about in yeah. life, um, you don't necessarily need to go to school for it right certain things maybe okay but um with with cooking and art and stuff like that if you're passionate and you you, you you're doing it and you yeah. immerse yourself in it i think you'll eventually 
you know, figure out your, uh, your lane. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of it, you know, I'm super happy. I never went to culinary school. You know, I never spent all that money. I just figured it out on my own and I would watch Emeril Lugasi, uh, Ming Tsai and do everything those guys would do. I would do it. Mario Batali, um, you know, all these guys, the, all the first early uh, Food Network chefs yeah. and practice their stuff. I remember at a certain point I was like leaving New York um, in like the, you know, mid late 90s and going down to Miami uh, in the wintertime to work at a kosher, uh, gourmet kosher catering company. And just to go down there and just like, you know, pick up some of the gourmet aspects and just try to infuse that into vegetarian, vegan, mm. because vegetarian, vegan food has always been considered like boring and granola and just like whatever. You know? yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's just um, finding, again, finding my own path within cooking. And yeah. That's wild. How was that taken in your family? Like, was that, was being vegan accepted in your immediate family or were they like, oh, wow, this is the black sheep? Because I, I, I know a lot of vegans and I know they're, all, they're quite ostracized right. or they feel quite ostracized. Well, the, the thing, that, like, like I had said, it's like my parents were hardly home. So they weren't necessarily, it's not like they were cooking a lot of food. I'm like, <laughs> oh no, there's dairy in that. You know, I'm like giving them a hard time. Like if I didn't eat, they might not have known I didn't yeah, eat. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm so it wasn't, it wasn't anything. And, you know, I've always been the black sheep oddball, yeah. you know, and it's all good, you know, so... Um, let's hold let's hold that thought for a second. A lot of people, as I said, listening to this are on they've stepped out of the societal box. And the challenge that they run into is the lack of reference. Like, oh, there's not a lot of black male vegan chefs that you could look up to. Who who or what did you draw upon to say, okay, there really is no path. I'm gonna carve my own path. And I'm going to be okay doing that because of X, Y, and Z. Can you fill in some of those X, Y, and Zs for us? Right. So, I mean, I guess as far as food path, how I kind of viewed it from the beginning was not necessarily that, you know, I am, um, I'm just a chef and I'm just cooking food for people. Um, I always looked at it as like I am trying to you know, give people nutrition and, mm. and, 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 and basically I look at food as preventative medicine, Yeah, you know, and I more than anything appreciate my clients where they let me do that instead of telling me exactly what they want me to do. Yeah. And, you know, me, I'll, yeah, I'll do it for the money, but it's, it's not necessarily the direction that I would like to go in. Right. So I think um, I never had anyone to um, any other chefs or anyone, black chefs, even, you know, white chefs that I knew that were doing this, that I was, you know, looking up to, yeah. you know, and drawing anything from. Yeah, were there any vegan chefs back there then that you were like, oh, that's my guy. I want to follow him or I want to. No. So, so I think, no, not at all. I think um, for me, my, huge inspiration as far as like health and wellness and nutrition and again you know i don't really look at it hardcore as like 
being a chef is just about food, food. Yeah. So there, when I moved uh, to New York, I was living on 10th Street and there was an older gentleman that I came to know that was like a Tai Chi teacher, a master Mm. woodworker, and just so happened to be super into wellness and nutrition. And he had a juice bar that he had opened up and I got the job to work there. And when I asked him if I could work there, you know, I was like thinking I'd pick up a shift or whatever, but he was basically like, okay, we open at this time and we close at this time. And you're here the entire time. So I was, there all the time. You know, I was like, all right. <laughs> Thank goodness it's in my building. Yeah. And he just had a, a ton of books. Yeah. And I would just read everything that was in there and I would just watch him. And I mean, this this man was probably like in his mid late sixties, and you could not tell. He like he was in like his late forties. Yeah. Like his skin, everything about him, his eyes, his glow, like he was the true epitome of mm. health, you know? He's vibrant. It's amazing. It's yeah. beautiful. Um, so um, that was kind of, you know, it's always, everything has always been a push from the wellness and the health aspect. Yeah. And then the food just kind of came like a little bit secondary. Yeah. You know? That's a really unique take on it. So if I, if I circle back to the, the third question of, I, I love that view, first of all. Uh, my background in Chinese medicine was uh, food is medicine. Right. And the, the more esoteric aspects of food, we just call them herbs. Right. But they're medicine. For sure. And in the U.S., we have this completely backwards. Right. It's, I remember thinking or reading this, and I'm going to botch this quote. It's like calorically overfed, nutritionally starving. Right. Something to that oh, effect. Right. Yeah, yeah. So for guys listening to this, especially who are like, bro, cooking, like I don't even know where to begin. This right. this if they just see it as like it's brain surgery. Right. Where does someone even start? Right. For a guy that wants to eat, start to eat healthier, right. Right. what's the like kindergarten's first three steps you would recommend? Mers is a dude too, so right. keep it like there's a separate level of kindergarten. Right. right. So I mean, I think when we start to think about eating healthy, we have to start, you know, before we start cooking, we have to look at the products that we're purchasing. Okay. You know, so I think we have to make a shift in those, in those products. Okay. And okay. Saying like, okay, um, I, I have to have butter. I normally buy butter all the time. I have butter on everything. Okay. What's the substitute that you can have for that butter? Um, I drink milk all the time. What's a substitute that I can drink for that milk and start having those things around. I think the more that like we, um, especially, you know, these days it's a lot, um, it's easier. It's yeah. a lot easier. You have seamless Grubhub, DoorDash, this, and you know, that all depending on like wherever you're living, but like, and there's like a, you know, a, a lot of more vegetarian, vegan places these days than ever before. Yeah. You know, so and then, you know, also, too, having the internet, having YouTube and all that, you know, there's a wide variety of information out there if we just start Googling and just doing a little research. Yeah. And, you know, and making a shift, you know, like this, um, it's it's a lifestyle shift and we have to have patience, mm. you know what I'm saying, because things don't happen overnight and know that we're working towards something. But in doing that work, 
it, it gets better over time. Yeah, you know what sure, I'm saying? Your sure. cooking will get better. Yeah. You'll, you'll learn something more. And, in, you know, a lot of you guys out there, if you're saying, well, I don't cook, I mean, you know, you can start. It's never <laughs> too late. And there's nothing. You eat, don't you? <laughs> there's no, and especially, like, when you're entertaining and stuff like that, there's nothing better than just being able to, you know, invite your friend over and be like, hey, I'm cooking. Right. You know, and and have some, you know, the the you know, have someone in your space and sharing a meal that like you've shopped and mm. prepped and everything. There's something very special about that as to, as opposed to just going out to a restaurant. Yeah, you know what I'm for saying? sure. So, um, and you know, people love that. People love to be taken care of and feel felt yeah. special in that way. You know, so. Hey guys, I hope you're really enjoying this conversation with Marlon. It really got me back into juicing and got me refocused on how food plays a role in my own health. Now, I want to speak to the men in the audience. You guys, my uncivilized nation is now growing in leaps and bounds. And we are doing a 12-month curriculum starting in January. So if you have thought about joining but haven't, now is the time. We're also bumping up the price in January, but anybody who joins now at 25 bucks a month is grandfathered in for life. Why am I bumping it up? Because I'm adding so much damn value to this program. The guys have teams. The guys have team meetings. The guys have specific programs they're following. Trust me, you want to be a part of this if you want to uncivilize yourself. So go check that out, www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the nation. All right, back to Marlon. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stereotype men yeah. and say that we – on the, from from my experience, a lot of men just aren't interested yet in food and health, or they think, okay, uh, unless it's going to directly affect my body composition, right. this will make my biceps bigger. This will give me abs. This will make me. This will make more women want to fuck me. Right. If it's not that, right. how do we inspire men to say for the, that radiance? Like, how do we make that cool or make that sexy to say? Hey, I'm 55. I can move. I feel great. I surf in the mornings. Right. I run at night. My heart is phenomenal. My cholesterol is amazing. My libido is incredible. I right. sleep. Right. Like, how would, when you talk to men, especially, I know here in the house with my friend, you ran him through a, like a 10 day juice fast, right. right? Right. That, after, when I talked to him afterwards, he's like, okay, I'm a convert. Right. Not to juice fasting, right. but just to realizing that there's a correlation between what I put in my mouth Absolutely. and how I feel and look. For sure. For sure. How, like that would though is like a little bit of a punch in the face for him. It was like, right. oh, 10 days of this. Right. What do you recommend for, how do we, or even if we speak culturally, how do we shift this into the male collective right. and say, hey, you guys, we all need to be eating better. Right. We all need to be cooking. Right. Well, you know, you, you brought up something, uh, make women want to fuck me, you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And I think... Or dudes, I don't care, dudes, whatever. whatever. Yeah, or yeah. just anyone. Yeah, <laughs> of <laughs> adult age, yeah. <laughs> so there is, um, you know, obviously plenty of studies done and shows different blood works as mm. opposed to like a vegan what your blood work looks like at the end of the day, as opposed to someone that's eating meat several times a day, what their blood work looks like. And you will see, you know, visibly without any microscopes or anything under, you know, any lights, just the 
the drastic difference. One is cloudy and one is clear. Mm -hmm. And basically that um, is how your blood moves through your body. And if you're constantly having things that are like high in plaque, yeah, um, it will start to form within your bloodstream and then your blood starts to flow, flow a little less. Um, guys these days are running out and getting Viagra and all this stuff. Right. Bec and they don't, they're not realizing it and their doctors aren't also telling them right. that it has stuff to do a lot of the times with their diet. Oh, for sure. You know? For sure. So once you're able to, because especially like the vein in your penis is the smallest one in your body. Huh. So if you think that you're clogging up like your other veins and arteries and then that one, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if everything is flowing properly, that there will be a massive difference. I was telling, um, we're, there's a movie that's out that actually did this study with athletes. Yeah called the game changer right, right right and um where they put like the i don't know what the machine is called but they strapped it to their thighs and measured their erection at night and it was a huge difference no pun intended <laughs> you know, from a meat-eating diet to a to a vegetarian diet yeah and and this is it this is the, the bottom line is right. okay um try it right if you try it for a week, 10 days, two weeks or so, give yourself enough time, yeah. you know, and really do the work, drinking juices and incorporate that stuff like that into, you know, where you normally have a meal, maybe have a smoothie, have a juice or something, mm. you know, keep it light on your body. Um, you're still having high nutrient things, so you'll, you'll, you'll feel fine, yeah. you know, and you'll have more energy. Your body's not busy breaking down all the meat and stuff like that, um, you'll find yourself eating more. Basically, mm. I mean, vegetarians and vegans, we call ourselves grazers, yeah. which is fine to just eat, you know, throughout the day instead of sitting down, I'm going to have one meal, two meals, three meals, and then you're like bogged down after yeah. each of these heavy meals. It's about keeping it light and you'll have more energy. As you're talking about um, my client here in the house, I remember when I first started here, okay, and and you know what i was cooking and and I, I i see a huge shift yeah in his energy for sure you know exercising sometimes three four times a day constantly on the move running around like right. you know unable to sit still and that is awesome that is how a 40 something year old man should should be moving you yeah. know what i'm saying even in our 50s and 60s we should still have that kind of energy and be able to move around. So I think, you know, while, you know, it's, you know, some people look at it and be like, oh, it's manly to eat meat and this and that. Okay, but maybe you can eat less of it. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Maybe we can say, okay, I'm going to make a shift. I'm going to do a couple days a week. I'm just eating plant-based. Right, right, right. You know, and, and see how that works for you. See how your body feels become you know it, it's it's really important um you know why you know again to to answer um to kind of go back to when you mentioned the juice the juice cleanse that i did with these guys here and why i did it was to bring bring them back to the sensitivity sensitivity of feeling their body mm. what their body is asking for what it needs what it wants and listening to it 
you know, and not just putting food in, but being like, huh, this is how I'm feeling. You know what? This is what I want, mm. you know, where I could have something empty. No, I'm going to have something high nutrient and it's going to do something good for me. You know, yeah. I mean, we, what, why bother putting empty calories in when we can put fortified nutrients in our bodies, you know? So that, that, yeah, you said it's, it's manly to eat steak, but it's also manly to die 10 years before women, absolutely. right? And it's manly to lead every single negative health category that doesn't have breasts or ovaries. Sure. Like men are at the top of that. For sure. So <clears throat> I don't want to take this, like I eat bacon, I eat steak, but I've also loved uh, eating foods here. Like, oh, wow, it tastes amazing. And you're right, an hour later, I'm out running in the yard as opposed to lying on the couch going, well, you know, let's just wind down for the night. Right, right. Where do you think, Marlon, that cooking left the American collective? Well, I think it's just, you know, when, you know, everyone became busy and I'm at work and I don't have time and, and just the microwave era and just everything fast and easy and like, um, let's get something to go. And, you know, just not having that, you know, or maybe not even growing up with anyone cooking in your household, mm. you're probably not gonna, you know, want to really, you know, it's going to take something to bring you there. Some, yeah. uh, um, to bring you back to feeling like you want to cook. But I just think a lot of people have just like, gotten away from it. But I also think a lot of people these days, especially with uh, COVID, are yeah. coming back to it. Yeah. You know? And it's and it's pretty amazing in, in a certain way because like everyone is home with their families and cooking and right. bonding. So do you think cooking's making a comeback? Are you are you getting more inter or having people more interested or ask reaching out and asking questions? One hundred percent. Yeah, I, I find that everyone is at home cooking and baking breads. People that I know, <laughs> and I'm like, that's that, that's awesome. You it's know? amazing, it's right? Really, really. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I don't think that's going to change even when restaurants open back up. I think people have discovered something, yeah, something new, you know, and like a new passion, you right? Know? Like, Oh, I can do this. And I do like doing this. Yeah. And there's, I mean, you know, with all these different, uh, meal kits and everything, right. There, right. It makes right. Life a lot easier. Yeah. You know, I remember my herb teacher and, uh, so for traditional Chinese herbs come in a bag and they look like sticks and leaves and other shit yeah they smell awful and they taste awful yeah and and sh the kickback we would get a lot from clients or patients is well, i don't have an hour every three days to cook herbs right and my teacher would say if they don't have an hour every three days to cook herbs the herbs aren't going to fix their problem right what what they need is an hour of time right. every three days right. and it right. feels like the there's so much more to the intangible of cooking. Right. Of like we're all gathered around a, a kitchen. Right. You're smelling it. There's conversation. Absolutely. There's love. There's Absolutely. like, hey, I made this thing and let yeah, me give yeah. it to you. Yeah, yeah. That we we're so fucking disconnected from this is gonna go on tangents, but from everything right. it feels like that like we'll look at beautiful food on a phone on social media and then go eat shit. Right. That I really hope that there is a wild resurgence and renaissance of like, wow, I love this. Right. And, and that comes back into the collective. For sure. You for know? Sure. I think, I think 
it's uh, over the years, you know, I just feel like it, it is shifting. I think people are becoming more conscious, yeah. you know, and maybe it's because I live also live in New York City and, you know, we're kind of in our own little yeah. bubble over here. But I, I do feel like on the whole and around the world, you know, people are becoming more conscious about food and and good food. Yeah. And what that really is and it means, you know, people, I feel like, um, and again, too, with just like social media and everything, it's just broadening people's horizons. Yeah. Do you see veganism catching on in the black community? Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Especially when you talk of uh, athletes, you know, these days, and then you have, you know, you have people like Jay-Z and Beyonce who are talking about being vegan and what have you. Um, it's definitely, there's a, a big trickle down to that, mm -hmm. you know, kids will listen to their music, kids are trying to do everything they're doing and like, and, and they're just you know, once they hear that, basically plants a seed. And if you didn't know what it was, then you start Googling it. And then you're like, mm. oh, wow. And then next thing you're at like a Burger King and you're like, well, they have that Impossible Burger and I just had it. And oh my God, that was so good. And, you know, and, and, and again, people are realizing that they need to take better care of themselves. And especially people in the black community where the information and availability and so much has not been presented and like you don't have like it's not like you have a lot of people have had like family members who are like vegan and stuff <laughs> like that you know and and, and and you know i look at I, I see in new york even in my neighborhoods and stuff like that like you know where you have like the projects over here and then like you know where people shop for their food you you go into these places and the quality of what is had. And you also go up to the lines and you see what people are buying and right. you know, no one's buying vegetables. You right, know what right, I'm saying? Right. It's uh, all the packaged stuff, the meats yeah. and stuff like that. So it's like a lack of information, but like, I think it's like, it's coming around. Yeah. You know? I definitely, I, I hope so. How would you like to see that information get out to your community? I mean, again, it's, um, a lot of what we've seen over the years is been, um, and what's, you know, the message that's been put out to the public has been quite the opposite because, um, you know, health, there's no money in health and wellness. Right, right, right. You know, there's money in you being sick and going to the hospital and buying right. medicine and stuff like that. So you're not going to get, you know, companies pushing and preaching this stuff right you know you have to go seek this information for yourself um you know but again you know it's uh it would be great for it to start from the top down mm. you know but it's fortunately it's the message is still it's out there it's getting out there and every little seed and every again everyone every kid has uh you know, every kid has uh, social media and internet now on their phones and, and more kids, more so I find, um, are coming around to being vegan, yeah. vegan more so than adults Yeah, who are like kind of trapped in their ways, mm -hmm. but kids realizing, well, yo, I don't want to eat like that anymore. Right. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, so on and so forth. So. Hmm. I had a, a question that just popped in about, um, specifically with the communities or sorry not with the communities yeah. of 
it was more a statement. I was waiting when COVID hit. I was like, okay, cool. We now have a health issue. Right. right. We've, we've had health issues. Right, right. Uh, the heart disease and diabetes will kill more people than 20 years of COVID. Right. And yet we don't really talk about that. So it was, I was jazzed up and, and waiting for the full country down. Like, okay, guys, we're getting healthy. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. this is it. Where there's a disease out there killing us. How do we yeah, prevent that? Yeah. We get healthy. Yeah. Not a crickets. Yeah, yeah. Right? Not a, not a word. And I spent a significant time in my life growing up in Asia where you walk in, into a company in the morning and everybody's doing exercises. Sure. It's required. For sure. And, and in the U.S., like that, that's a lawsuit and a half. For sure. But they're not dying of, of heart disease it's and diabetes in yeah, the 10,000s. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah, it was disappointing. It was yeah. really disappointing. It would seem like an act of revolution, yeah. especially for the black community. Be like, we're just going to get healthy as fuck. For sure. We're going to outlive everybody. No, seriously, you know? right? Seriously. Like, that would be the best <laughs> revolution I could think of. Like, oh, wow. Right. What'd right. you guys do? Oh, we just got healthy. Totally. Yeah. Oh, fuck everybody. Right. Yeah. That we all got compromised. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. See how fast they shut that down. <laughs> Look, this is going to get flagged by like the FBI or somebody. I love it. So sh shifting gears a bit to that, to the black community and your experience of what's going on right now in the country. It feels like we are at a point where, from my perspective, we're getting more divided than unified. Mm -hmm. So what has been your experience in the last couple of months as a black man in America with everything that's going on? Do you feel less safe, more safe, more angry? Talk me through some of that. I don't necessarily uh, feel less safe. You know, and maybe it's just because of like where I live and the community I live in and how I move and get around and everything. So I don't feel like I'm ever like putting myself in danger or anything. Uh, yeah, as a black man, like, you know, getting in my car, I'm like, you know, make sure I have all my like credentials like at hand and like mm. what have you. And I'm also like, you know, I'm also conscious enough to know that no matter what if i get pulled over that like i'm not gonna spark anything i'm gonna automatically you know you know obviously there'd be a a little like there's that natural you know everyone white or black and pulled over you're like oh shit what's going on right you right, know right. What I'm but like you know i'm not like i i feel like i'm kind of like a soft-spoken person like i'm not gonna react out of fear mm. you know i'm gonna let the situation play out i'm just gonna what have you that's just being pulled over or whatever and just on that note but i find that like you know what's going on is a good thing it's been it needed to happen mm. you know what's well, been a good thing that it's all it's, come to that light it's all coming to light it's yeah. everything that's been you know no one's wanting to have the discussions and have the conversations and it's great that like we're we're having the talks yeah. you know um i'm not saying everything is going to change overnight right. you know it's like a football game well you know <clears throat> every little bit of yardage is gonna, <laughs> yeah it's is an advancement you know yeah for so sure we kind of have to look at it like that um yeah it'd be nice to see like major major like shifts and change towards like equality and justice for all you know what, specifically what shifts would you like to see around that 
I mean, as far as like the police is concerned, I think it's more just like accountability for one's actions. I don't think as a parent that I should have the conversation with my kids, granted my kids aren't driving yet, but I know a lot of black parents do, about how to act when you get pulled over, what to do, how mm. to proceed. You know what I'm saying? What's your protocol? You yeah. know what I'm saying? And that sucks. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I'm sure I have no white friends that are telling their kids that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it sucks to live under under that. And, and, and it's also terrible to see injustice from people's actions killing people and nothing coming out of it right fairly enough i think there you know there's obviously should be you know there needs to be better training you know there needs to be ironclad training from the top down that every precinct everyone Mm -hmm. goes through Mm -hmm. and you know on one of your other podcasts i heard a very good point from a very you know that other gentleman you're the police officer in southern california you're interviewing um, and he said, you know, I, I forget the percentage that he used, but it was, I think it was over 70% of the calls, like the police officers shouldn't be called. Like right. you need, uh, and he actually referred to himself as a peace officer, which I thought was great, but they shouldn't be called. So you kind of need like public relations people to come in to diffuse a lot of these situations right. because you're putting people in the position that, they aren't ready for that. They have had no training. They're yeah. doing everything on the fly, right. you know? And it it sucks for them to be in that position, yeah. you know? And he also mentioned another good point about, you know, PTSD and trauma and just like workload and everything. And I think all that needs to be to be visited, you yeah. know? I don't think all cops are bad. I have friends that I grew up with that are police officers and they're good people, you yeah. know? So it's like, I think there's some people that take advantage of a situation, some people that shouldn't be in there and have alternative uh, motives behind what they're for doing. For sure, for sure. And all that needs to be weeded out and everything. But again, you know, it's great that we're having the conversation. I, you know, I. It's, it's so sad because, like, you know, I love this country and I feel like Americans are, are good people, you know, and, and want to do right. And I don't really feel like people are just like, you know, just like, just at the core, just some people are just like rotten. But like, I think people want to see good from this country. I think people want to feel proud about this country and and what's going on here and not just here, but when they travel and go around the world and feel like, oh, wow, Americans. And like, you know, but these days it's not the vibe and it hasn't been moving in that way for a while. And, you know, it's just, it's really sad to see where things are are moving, you know? So but again, you know, in order to have like major needed change, you know, it's it's going to take ripping the bandaid off and you're going to have to go through some pain in order yeah. to come through on the other side to where you got something out of it, but it will be worth it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Do you think that it's a police issue more so with the is the are we is the root of what's going on right now between the police and the black community? 
or is it between America and the black community? And the police are just kind of the tip of the ice or the tip of the spear there. I, I think it's, it's between America and the black community. Yeah. It's not between police officers, you know? Yeah, you know, again, you know, again, you know, points I, 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 back to the other conversation that you had, you know, how, you know, policing in certain neighborhoods, how you get perceived rolling through, that, that attitude, the energy that you're bringing in and then what you're going to get back, you For know what sure. I'm saying? It's, you know, it's everything is happening because there is no accountability because you're killing people. And then these officers are on like paid leaves and then they have unions like doing everything that, you know, with whatever taxpayers money and everything, trying to get these guys out of doing something that they know is wrong. You know, like there's no reason, like I've seen countless videos of like, you know, whether it be white men or women toting guns and knives and what have you at cops and nothing happens to them. But an unarmed black man is getting shot seven times in the back and you talk about a knife that no one's, you know, all the, all sorts of stuff. It's like situations can be diffused a lot easier. And again, it's just like, there needs to be accountability because if you go to work and you're like, you know, I'm just going to go punch my, my coworker in the face. I'm going to beat his ass. You got to expect that you're going to probably get fired. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's going to be a like, strongly worded email from HR. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so it's something's like, gonna happen. how can there be like, how can I do certain things when, when it's, it's clear and evident that it didn't need to go there. The George Floyd thing. It's like, dude's cuffed on the ground and there's like four cops one's kneeling why yeah how is that how is that okay yeah why does it take so long to be like that is not in protocol you are that was insubordinate you know what yeah. i'm saying like you're you're out of there and and instead of like instead of handling that right there you let things just like escalate escalate mm. escalate instead of de-escalating it and taking nipping it right there yeah. You know, it's just, it's mind blowing, yeah. you know, why bother, you know, but, and, and, and again, it's going to make, it's going to make black people feel like, yo, our lives don't matter. Right. You know? And then people are like, oh, black lives matter, black lives matter. And people are like, well, all lives matter. Yes. All lives matter. But there is a message yeah. behind the black lives matter movement. And it's just like, you know, you can't, it's, it's justice for all, mm. you know? is what it's all about. And that's why it's around the world and everything, you right. know, because it's not just here. Other people are oppressed and like, you know, and, and plenty of injustice going on. So it's just like, Hey, can we all just come together and just like be fair, be right, yeah. do the right things. Can we just have a little bit more compassion and love, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. When I looked at so much of it, the word that kept coming up over and over and over was where's the, was fairness. Yeah. Where's the fairness? Right. Right. I don't, you, you can take the extreme ends of any group right. and go, you guys aren't asking for equality. You're not right. asking for fairness. For sure. You're asking for your own advantage. For sure. But 95% of the people who live in the middle right. can look at these, do look at these situations right. and go, that's not okay. Right. That just doesn't feel right. right. It's not fair. Totally. But, it's like, but then there's nothing done about it. Right. It's like, I mean, black people aren't asking for handouts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like, we want 
the fair shake of the constitution that, you know, the white man has, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Why can't we have that? And it's just like, it's, it's, you know, why can't we have that? That's all it is. Yeah. Can we just be fair? Right. You know? And yeah, it's a, it's a tough one, man. And it's like, it's not an overnight one. It's gonna, it's a one it's, you know, it's, it's just how things have been built over the years and yeah. not like the past 10 years over hundreds of years, Yeah, you know, how things have been put in place and it doesn't have to have racism written on it, right. but it's just how, where you live, where, what schools, what's available yeah. to you, what, how everything, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's, 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 it's a very, very big problem and it, it all can, we can work towards mending it. Yeah. You know, it all takes effort, but we have to acknowledge it. Yeah. And, yeah, for sure. Know, That's step one. Like before any restitution on any level right. is acknowledgement of a wrong. Right. I'm not going to come up and be like, well, I didn't really step on your foot. Right. But I'm sort of sorry if I might have. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. You're going to be like, thanks, bro. Yeah, yeah. That feels great. It's super <laughs> heartfelt. So it seems like that is the place we need to get to. For sure. You know, when I interviewed Kine uh, Cordero, uh, a black therapist, she said, white people and black people, we still have beef. Right. Like we got it. We got to squash that. For sure. Nothing's going to happen until we squash that. Yeah. And I'd never heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember publishing that and getting interesting response to it. Right. On, on both sides right. and saying, you know what we need to do? Right. We need to have these conversations. For sure. Those for of sure. you who heard that for the first time like me and said, sure. that's really the case? For sure. Good. For now sure. we've heard it. For sure. Then it's the, what do you do for sure. after the fact? Yeah, it's, right? it's pretty amazing because, you know, again, all this is happening. It's just like, there's a lot of people that was unaware mm-hmm. of what was going on. They just didn't see it because... It, it's not coming to you, you know. What right, I'm saying? right, right, right. So it's just not in your peripheral. So, but when you start to hear it, when you start to see it, and you're just like, "Oh wow, this is terrible." Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, how could you not feel that way? Right. Yeah, I remember saying to her, and the, please hear this, those of you listening to this, in the right way. I was like, "I'm so glad what happened to George Floyd was so horrific." Because nobody could watch that and go, right. well, right. you know, yeah. maybe he twitched and it was a bad shooting. Right. It's like right. it took so fucking long right. that everybody's minds got blown to say, okay, this is so horrific. Right. It's going gonna, it's gonna to shine the light on right. a much bigger problem. Right. It's a, I mean, shucks. I wonder if it would have all sparked if, um, I think it, it took that. And most of all, it took COVID. Yeah, for it sure. It took everyone being stuck at home yeah. just to like be like, oh, okay, not distracted by anything. Right. And just being like, oh, okay, this is what's up, you know? Yeah, I can't just um, go on Instagram I, and pretend this didn't happen. Exactly. And I think uh, that's what happens a lot of the times, yeah. you know? But now it's like it's weird. We had to, yeah. had to like take a look, yeah. you know, had to start having a conversation. So... Yeah. Swinging this back to health, what would you say to black men who are listening to this specifically about how they can be leaders in their community specifically around health? Well, I mean, I think just like within one's own home, one's own community is, you know, the easier place to start. 
you start like say you're like hanging out with your friends everyone's drinking like sodas and you're drinking a kombucha you know yeah and then it's like oh why are you drinking that oh it's like probiotics man it's like healthy love you know? kombucha and so any kombucha sponsors are listening to this we fucking love kombucha around here um <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know so uh that's a conversation that sparked you know and just you know it's just yeah i don't know it's um I think just in one's home and just yeah. with our friends and what have you is like the simple and easier way to start. You yeah. Know? Um, amazing. Amazing. For people who want to get, I, I think you're kind of off the social media world and, and don't have much of a, a footprint in that area. But for people who are interested, if you're open to it, contacting you or finding out more about what you do or recipes or anything that you have to offer, yeah. where are you hanging out in the world? Um, I mean, I have, I do have an Instagram handle. It's uh, Private Chef Marlin, and you can come see. I don't really have a, have like a lot of recipes and things, but like if you have a question or whatever, you can feel free to reach out. Amazing! Yeah. And you have a website? I do not have a website. This seed, and it's still <laughs> one of the most successful people I know. Good for you. Fuck all the social media stuff and yeah. yeah, keep it private. Well, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your My energy. Pleasure. Thanks for listening, guys. And I appreciate your knowledge. All right, guys. Have a kick-ass week. We'll chat with you soon. This is Trevor Bohm signing off on another episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please give us a share. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And if you're interested in getting a hold of my book, Man Uncivilized, whether you're a man or a woman, please go to www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the book and get reading.